And so as it relates to our long-term strategy, you know, the University of Florida is a really large, comprehensive university. We have the med school, the vet school, uh, everything on one 2,000-acre campus. It's incredibly comprehensive. And because of that, we've never been known for one thing. We're not an ag school. Yes, we have a great agriculture uh, college, but we're not known for that to the exclusion of other things. And so having a singular identity has been a real challenge for the University of Florida for its entire existence. So in terms of the long-term strategy, I believe that um, being an AI university where artificial intelligence training is sprinkled across all of the majors, all of the disciplines throughout all of our 16 colleges, that could be a real differentiator for us. I mean, that's a, a bit of a blue ocean strategy when you think about the fact that most AI schools are kind of narrowly focused on AI, and that is uh, schools where AI is traditionally taught in a college of engineering or in a school of computer science, and those students have a very particular kind of degree track. What we're trying to do is something different. Hello, welcome to season two of Ingenious U, the podcast where we talk about higher education, innovative practice, and leading edge thinking. Your host is Melissa Morris Olson. The challenges facing colleges and universities short term and in the years to come are immense, and yet many institutions are adapting in surprising and inspiring ways. In each episode of Ingenious U, we will talk with higher education thought leaders about the academic transformation that is underway. Our guests will include college and university leaders, faculty, innovators, futurists, and others who are thinking about and experimenting with new approaches. Be sure to hit subscribe to Ingenious U wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, you can rate and review this podcast and share with your colleagues and friends so they can join the conversation too. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Ingenious You, where we consider the most urgent and provocative topics that are reshaping higher education, and we speak with higher ed's most creative and visionary leaders. Today, it is a pleasure to welcome Dr. David Reed to our community. David is Associate Provost for External Faculty Honors and Awards at the University of Florida. Earlier this year, the university announced a 70 million public-private artificial intelligence partnership with NVIDIA with the goal of catapulting the university's research strength to address some of the world's most formidable challenges, create access to AI training and tools for underrepresented communities, and build momentum for transforming the future of the workforce. In his capacity as Associate Provost, Dr. Reed has found himself squarely in the middle of this game-changing initiative. And so, David, it is great to have you join us today to provide our listeners with an up-close and a personal update on this exciting initiative. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here today. So let's jump right in. On your website, you have issued a very bold vision, and the vision is stated this way, to become an AI-enabled university. Can you give us the backstory about how and why your university got started with AI? What was the impetus? And I think most importantly, how does it fit with the university's long-term strategy and mission and vision? 
Sure, of course. So I guess it started uh, fairly recently, in fact. Um, one of our alumni, uh, Chris Malakowski, who is a co-founder of NVIDIA, um, he was a graduate of our College of Engineering, and he wanted to give back to the University of Florida. And that started a series of meetings with uh, our vice president for advancement, as well as our provost and president. And he wanted to do something really large and really special. And he wanted to partner with NVIDIA and have NVIDIA partner with the University of Florida. And from there, a bunch of creative thinkers, uh, including Chris and others, um, got together and started talking about AI um, and some of the the challenges around AI, particularly workforce development, and I'll, I'll get into that more later. We just don't have enough people in that field. Um, but they felt like something was missing in even the AI workforce development that was going on already. So together they hatched a plan, came up with an idea of creating an AI university. And this would um, allow AI to permeate all things that the university does, everything from the curriculum and, and how we educate students uh, to the research that we do and so forth. And so it, the, the impetus was really a very large gift from Chris Malachowski uh, and NVIDIA to the University of Florida that allowed us to purchase a really large uh, supercomputer, an AI supercomputer made up of NVIDIA's most recent uh, chip, uh, GPU, and this allowed us to have a nucleus around which we could build the idea of an AI-enabled university. And so, as I said, it, it is empowering our researchers to apply AI to the, the various things that we do at the University of Florida, but it's also allowed us to revamp our curriculum. And the idea behind that is we want any undergraduate at the University of Florida that wants to get AI experience and, and prepare themselves for AI-enabled jobs to have the opportunity to do that regardless of their major. And then the same is true for graduate students and professional students. And so what makes us different is we're layering artificial intelligence training on top of all the existing majors, minors, certificate programs, graduate degrees, and professional degrees at the University of Florida. And so as it relates to our long-term strategy, you know, the University of Florida is a really large, comprehensive university. We have the med school, the vet school, uh, everything on one 2,000 acre campus. It's incredibly comprehensive. And because of that, we've never been known for one thing. We're not an ag school. Yes, we have a great agriculture uh, college, but we're not known for that to the exclusion of other things. And so having a singular identity has been a real challenge for the University of Florida for its entire existence. So in terms of the long-term strategy, I believe that um, being an AI university where artificial intelligence training is sprinkled across all of the majors, all of the disciplines throughout all of our 16 colleges, that could be a real differentiator for us. I mean, that's a, a bit of a blue ocean strategy when you think about the fact that most AI schools are kind of narrowly focused on AI, and that is uh, schools where AI is traditionally taught in a college of engineering or in a school of computer science, and those students have a very particular kind of degree track. What we're trying to do is something different. Yeah, no, that's very exciting. And I, I like the analogy using blue ocean strategy because you're what you're doing is uh, creating a market for yourself as opposed to borrowing or taking a market from somebody else. Indeed. So 
Um, very exciting. Now, I want to talk about you for a moment, because I understand that you are a research scientist by training with a focus on the genetics of mammals and uh, their parasites. And so how is it that somebody with that background winds up in the middle of this kind of an initiative? Well, it's, it's, that's a hard question. But basically, um, in my college, which is the Florida Museum of Natural History, it's kind of in the hierarchy of the university as a college. Um, I was department chair for six years, and doing that, I had the opportunity to take uh, an advanced leadership class that we offer at the University of Florida for people who have an interest in administration. And it's a year-long class. It's really intense. Um, and from that, we have the opportunity to shadow someone uh, around campus, and I asked to shadow the provost. And he asked me, basically, what do you want to do? And, and so we had a long conversation and then subsequent conversations about that. And I knew that there were really big initiatives on the horizon for the University of Florida, not just this one, but others as well. We had not started a, a very specific honors and awards program, for instance. And so I just volunteered myself one day a week to come work in the provost's office, and that led to more and more opportunity. Now, I don't but my role is really coordinating people all across the university, everything from the curriculum to research to fundraising to marketing, you name it. Um, and so I came about it in an odd way, but it was really through our leadership training at the University of Florida, which is just spectacular. Our training program is great, and I'm so proud of it. Mm, boy, that sounds like something worth another conversation. <laughs> but um it's uh, it is interesting how people wind up in the roles that they are in and oftentimes uh, bring the experience from a lot of different places to bear in in the new work that they're doing. So it sounds like that's the case for you uh, in this role. So I would imagine a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast may have a somewhat fuzzy idea about what AI is. Can, can you give us a layperson's definition, an, an easy to understand definition about what it, what it is exactly? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, one person described it to me the following way, and it, it really helped in my understanding. So we invented automation 100 or more years ago in all kinds of different ways, machines that could do jobs. We even you know invented computers that we can program to do different things. But AI really takes it a step further, and it's the automation of automation. And so what you're trying to accomplish is uh, give a computer a set of parameters, rules, decision-making tools, and then let the computer make decisions themselves without human input. And as scary as that sounds, and of course sometimes it is, uh, that's one way to describe artificial intelligence. It's, it's a way to set boundaries or give information to a computer system that can then use that information to make decisions on their own. A common example is, can you identify a cat in a photograph? And if you give it enough training data and allow it to learn what is or is not cat-like, it can make that decision with, with a high degree of confidence. Mm. So, so let's apply that then to the university setting and Maybe I could ask you to unpack a little bit more what it's going to mean to be an AI-enabled university. So how are you approaching that? And are there some specific areas that you're focused on right at the outset? Yeah, absolutely. So this is the singular most important goal uh, for the University of Florida right now. As I said, it was, it was really sparked by this uh, enormous gift 
this supercomputer um, is the fastest AI supercomputer in the United States in higher ed, possibly in the world. Um, and so it's a tremendous resource that we can build around. And what we're doing is changing the curriculum for one. Uh, so we have a, a certificate program, a nine credit certificate program for undergrads where they take three courses in artificial intelligence. And this is available to any undergraduate, regardless of their major. The three courses that they take, um, the most important one I think is a, a course on ethics. It's called Ethics, Data and Technology. That's taught through our Department of Philosophy in our College of Liberal Arts and Sciences. Uh, and all of the students participating in this certificate would take that class. They also have a Fundamentals of AI class taught out of engineering. Different than most engineering classes, though, this particular class is taught without any prerequisites. There's no computer programming, for instance, that's required in order to take this class. And it's meant to be taken by any student uh, undergraduate in any major. So it's it's an easy entry point for uh, an understanding of artificial intelligence. And then the third course in that certificate is something that will be within the college of the, the student who's who's taking this certificate. So it could be AI in agriculture, AI in medicine, AI in pharmacy, AI in um, in journalism, for instance. And there's it, this has literally gone through every college and all of our colleges are putting together these third courses now. Many are already on the books. Um, but that's one way in which we're changing the curriculum. We're also changing research. So we have probably 150 researchers who are really strong um, in the AI space now. We're hiring 100 more, uh, 56 this year and the remainder next year. So we're hiring new research faculty to come in and not only do their research using this supercomputer, but also teach classes for us in AI. Uh, but it's it's everything in between too. Like I mentioned, it's it's the fundraising, it's the marketing. Um, there's just so many avenues of this, and one of the most important ones is a concept that that we call equitable AI. Um, AI has some serious pitfalls, and the, not the least of which is, you know, related to bias in in training data or any way that AI is applied. Right? It's easy for humans to impose their biases onto the computer work that we do through AI. And so we have a very active program here uh, called Equitable AI. It's a work group where we want to make sure that people who are using AI understand those pitfalls and how to get around them to make this a more ethical and equitable and inclusive um, use of AI. So lots of different layers to this, and, and we're welcome to talk about any one of them that you want to or all of them. Well, I'm curious where you think the most significant impact is going to happen um, and what the the potential implications yeah. might be of yeah. that. Do I, you I, have, I, do I sure. I think the biggest that? impact is going to be in workforce development. So back in 2018, I believe, um, the White House issued an executive order uh, that outlined um, our lack of AI workforce, uh, both in the federal government, but also in, in private industry in the United States. And it outlined how dire this was and how we were not competitive with our um, allies or competitors around the world, and that we had to do something very serious to, to um, try to mitigate the fact that we just have too few people with AI training. 
And so there's a, a National Security Commission on AI who will uh, give their final report very soon. But in their interim reports, they've talked about the need for training uh, more and more students in AI. And so we've partnered with the federal government. We're working on those partnerships now, as well as other colleges and other universities to try and increase the workforce development that we can produce. And so a certificate program like the one I described could be applied at uh, a community college, a state college, a, another large university, uh, really anywhere. And we've reached out to uh, groups like the Inclusive Engineering Consortium. That's a consortium of 15 historically black colleges and universities, as well as two Hispanic serving institutions. And we're trying to find a way that we can partner with them, not only for research interests around AI, but also for this curriculum development and how we can um, make a big difference in the workforce training that has to happen. So that's training our undergrads to go into federal jobs or jobs in industry where those jobs are AI enabled and they would be better trained and, um, and have better job opportunities. But it's also upskilling the people who already have jobs, maybe in the federal government or elsewhere, who are gonna be hiring on AI uh, employees, but don't have any AI training themselves. And so our online group, UF Online, will be working on those upskilling options. So this is such a, a dire need for the US government as well as for the US in general. I, I really believe that's gonna be the game changer for us. If we can take the model that we're developing and then propagate that model outward uh, and make a real difference in training this AI workforce that's so desperately needed, I think that could be the biggest impact. There has never been a better time to study higher education, and the Bay Path University Master's Degree Program in Higher Education Administration has been designed with this in mind. Through the highly practical and relevant coursework, you will learn to identify emerging trends and apply cutting-edge practices to address the challenges faced by higher education professionals today. Classes start every eight weeks and are taught entirely online by supportive professionals who have deep knowledge and skill in the practice of higher education. The Bay Path program offers unique concentrations in enrollment management, institutional advancement, and online teaching and program administration, in addition to a joint entry track with the doctorate in higher ed leadership and organizational studies for highly qualified applicants. Whether you are already a higher education professional or are looking to switch professions, the Masters in Higher Ed Administration from Bay Path University will expand your career opportunities and provide you with mentoring and lifelong networks of like-minded professionals. Take the next step by visiting our website at baypath.edu slash higheredadmin. The need for qualified administrators in higher education has never been greater. Again, that's baypath.edu slash higheredadmin. And so uh, let's say there's a provost or dean from another institution here in the, in the Northeast listening to the podcast, thinking, wow, this is something I'd really like to connect my institution to. 
um, maybe find a way for some of our students to have access to the supercomputer. Is that is that in the picture? Um, I mean, is that on your radar? It in is terms of um, for a couple of reasons. One. This supercomputer is so large that our research faculty at the University of Florida couldn't possibly tax it. Um, and so despite the fact that we have 150 or more AI faculty now and are hiring another 100, it is a, a very, very large computing resource. And so we're looking for partnerships with other colleges and universities to use that resource, both in teaching and training of students, but also in, in research endeavors as well. So we've already reached out to the state university system in Florida. So the other universities that are here in the state of Florida will be reaching out to the state colleges as well. And we're working on some memoranda of understanding uh, to allow access there. Um, and one thing that that does, of course, the demographics of those schools, they reach very different students. And so if we want to talk about diversifying the AI workforce, that's one great way to do it. Partner with a lot of institutions that have different different demographics of, of students as you move across the United States. So we're not quite there yet, but my understanding is we're going to be reaching out to a lot of other universities to see if they want to partner with us. And I think that could include any number of things, um, certainly direct access to the supercomputer to teach courses uh, that are relevant in the AI space. Um, also research opportunities. Um, we've already made the offer to the state universities here in Florida. They can use this supercomputer uh, for the same um, fee that our own faculty at the University of Florida would pay to use this. It's a nominal fee. It's very small. In fact, my lab group, I still have a lab group. We're using it this month for the first time uh, to do some um, genome annotation, which is pretty exciting for us. Um, but it's a nominal fee and we've, mm. we've extended that to all the state university schools and I believe that's going to be extended further to other universities. So if there are other provosts or presidents or uh, chief information officers out there who see that this is an opportunity for for them, they're welcome to, to write to me and we'll get the ball rolling. Okay, that's good. You know, we'll make sure that your contact information is in the show notes because I I would imagine this is something that uh, many, many folks would be interested in in pursuing further. Um, there aren't very many institutions that have the resources to to um, obtain a supercomputer of the of the size or scale that you have. And so I think that's terrific that you're um, you know that you look at you're looking at this in terms with an eye on collaboration. Um, and as you say, it, it's going to benefit everyone in terms of the workforce Indeed. in the US. So um, let me go back uh, and, and ask you a little bit more about your equity focus. Are there, are there some other ways that you're thinking about how you will assure that diverse audiences uh, have access or are represented? In yes, this absolutely. So um, any number of different ways. The, the partnerships with state colleges, for example, in, uh, in the state of Florida, you take a college like Miami-Dade College, it has a very different uh, group of students that are attending that than what we would have at the University of Florida. And that's true as you move around, even the state university systems uh, schools have two Hispanic serving institutions. So by making this offer of collaboration uh, very, very broadly, as well as the um, Inclusive Engineering Consortium that I mentioned, that means that the, the, the pedagogy, the uh, opportunity to use this machine and learn from it, um, as well as research opportunities are going to proliferate 
to a much more diverse audience than we could do otherwise. So we're working on those memoranda of understanding now, um, and, and I think that's one way in which we'll do it. We also have um, uh, an equitable AI work group that I mentioned here at the University of Florida, and they're interested in two, two different first priorities, one being a um, the first priority is a certificate that our students could take, similar to the certificate that I mentioned earlier for undergrads, where the focus is really on equitable AI. So they'll take a deep dive into the ethics and biases and so forth, but they'll really focus in on how to make AI equitable for everyone. So that's training for the undergrads focused on equitable AI. So I'm really excited about that certificate. But they're also thinking about doing another kind of certificate, more of an industry certificate. Maybe we can partner with NVIDIA on this. We've got lots of great partnerships with them. But it would be nice if there was an industry or industry university partnership that could certify a piece of software or uh, an output from any kind of AI study as being equitable, meaning that in the process of building this, whatever it is, or applying AI technology to a particular problem, it would be nice if there were best practices and, and steps that needed to be met to assure that we're not falling victim of some of the pitfalls that we have early on in artificial intelligence. And so I, I hope that that group will be able to accomplish that. That would give us a, an industry standard for equitability and inclusiveness in AI that's currently lacking. For sure, and boy, it's it's terrific. You have this on your radar right from the get-go, um, so I I commend you, um, you know, for for having that foresight. Um, let let me ask you to dig a little bit deeper because so many higher ed professionals are in the trenches these days, um, trying to figure out how to address some very very basic uh, problems, uh, retention, for example, or summer melt, which is a perennial issue for admissions admissions right. uh, professionals, you know, making sure that the students that they recruit actually show up in the fall. Um, is, are, these, are these the kinds of things that Absolutely. AI can help with? So, um, and of course, there are a bunch of uh, for-profit companies who would love to sell you the opportunity to use AI to, to help your university with those particular issues. Um, so yes, anytime you have a problem where you do have a lot of data um, and sorting through those data to make sense of them can be challenging for, for humans and basic statistics. A lot of those instances are cases where artificial intelligence can really help. And certainly issues of student success and summer melt and, and all kinds of things, retention as well, are areas where artificial intelligence is already being applied to those questions. And certainly areas where um, a university can take uh, the research going on in AI at their university or at a partner institution and apply it directly to their own needs. Um, we started having conversations about artificial intelligence uh, throughout the whole university around April of last year. We had a big retreat and everyone and everyone was allowed to participate. I think we had about 700 online participants in this AI retreat and we brought in invited speakers and almost immediately after that, uh, people started asking me and, and some of the other people involved, how can we apply this to our data here? And it was everything from financial management to um, things in student affairs like retention, like looking at um, admission and, and summer melt. And we're not started on any of those just yet, but certainly AI applies to all of those questions. And, and it's a way that we could use our own research expertise 
to uh, to increase the uh, the prediction of summer melt or enhance our student success in any number of ways. You know, finding ways to to identify students who have disengaged in some regard uh, is a very easy way that AI could be applied uh, to student information to try and see where we can help students that might be having trouble. We've done that in a very hands-on way and most universities mm. have throughout COVID to try and help our students who were displaced, who might not have had internet connection or a, a computer at home and so forth. You can imagine that's those challenges persist every year. And, and if we can find ways to identify them and help them, certainly AI could play a role in that as well. Yeah, for sure. No, and that's that's uh, very promising uh, and exciting to consider. You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm I'm struck by how remarkable remarkable it is that this initiative, which is so significant and big, came to life in the midst of the pandemic with your campus mm -hmm. uh, mostly working remote. I'm assuming you mentioned that the um, the retreat that you had was remote online uh, with 700 faculty staff, um, I, you know, that's, it's really quite remarkable uh, and speaks to <laughs> the, you know, the, um, I guess the willpower, the energy, the enthusiasm that must be behind Indeed. this Indeed, And, uh, you know, on campus. the one hand, um, it was incredibly challenging. We have 12 different working groups that we had to get launched uh, for this initiative. Um, mm. You know, like I said, everything from equitable AI, curriculum, research, marketing, you name it. Um, and they all had to be established uh, virtually and, and have a meeting schedule and, and get off the ground and then communication between them. At any institution, communication you know, is a real challenge and certainly one that has as many, we have 16 colleges here. And so getting them all to communicate with one another can be a challenge just like at any large university. So yes, it was, it was challenging, but on the other hand, with all the doom and gloom that surrounded us, it was really nice to focus in on something positive, something that was forward looking, something we knew was going to happen. And it was a chance for us to maybe not put blinders on, but at least focus on something that was really positive for the university, positive for our students, positive for uh, the US as we think about ways in which we can increase the AI workforce, but also positive for our researchers in that this gives them a vehicle to to collaborate across colleges um, using technology that we simply didn't we didn't allow ourselves to to use with the kind of vigor that we can with this new machine. So it, the the bright side of it was it was uniformly positive, and you know you don't get that very often, and that was just mm -hmm. wonderful. And yes. a unifying force, it sounds like. For your university, yeah, yeah, no, very, that, yeah, no, you don't, you don't get that very often. So, um, you, you certainly have. Well, taken if I could elaborate on one tiny thing it, in that, when um, we had the retreat, is, one of the things that became very important front and center was the importance of ethic and bias training in what we do in AI, and that we had to lead from that standpoint, and that was that was made that point was made over and over again by guest speakers from from all across the country who came in but it was made from our own college of engineering and and folks that are more in the stem disciplines and it really helped our humanities and social sciences people understand how they were going to be included right from the beginning right it it set the stage and it got us off on the right foot 
Whereas this could have easily been seen as something that was STEM focused and not inclusive of the whole university. I was really glad we got off on the right foot and, and that led to the ethics course being one of the most important courses that our uh, students are going to take in the certificate program. And there really is a mindset across the university that that's the core of it. That's the really most important part. So what would you say to the critics who might suggest that artificial intelligence is just one more passing fad in yeah. higher education? Sure. I don't know if you've heard, Absolutely. If you've heard that. Um, or, I've heard it both um, positive and negative. So I've heard the, the passing, you know, the people who thought that computers were going to be a passing fad, right? Um, and of course, that, that didn't hmm. age well. But um, but it's also true that artificial intelligence has been with us since the 1950s as a, as a discipline, and it has come in and out of favor for different reasons. Um, so it's had two or three heydays in the past where they thought it was going to solve all of our problems. And so it's easy to think this is just another um, part of that cycle, and it'll, it'll pass very quickly as well. But in talking to a lot of our experts, we think that the biggest difference, um, there are really two big difference makers now. If you think back to the 1970s when we could play checkers against a computer and the computer could win routinely, um, and then eventually chess as well, using artificial intelligence, the thing that was missing from that era is the volumes and volumes of data that we have now that we can apply artificial intelligence to. So not only are our computers faster and with the advent of, of GPUs, graphic processing units for artificial intelligence, we now have big data sets that we can apply that to. That's a huge game changer that we haven't had in the past. And it's a requirement of AI. For AI to be useful, you really have to have a lot of data for it to act on. And then the last part is the fact that we have software that's now applying AI in so many different fields. I didn't think that I was going to be able to use AI in my research until I realized, oh, somebody had actually packaged up a lot of the software that we use in my lab of genomics. And so with about two weeks training, uh, we're using it uh, coming up to assemble 400 genomes. And so I think part of what we're going to spend a lot of time doing at the University of Florida is taking our high-powered research labs and introducing them to AI and letting them learn what AI can do for them. So it's hard for me to believe this one's going to be a passing fad. I think it's going to be with us, and it's permeated everything from the College of the Arts to zoology, A to Z, at the University of Florida. And so I, I kind of feel like this one might be with us for a while. Mm, well, that's that's good. <laughs> I I. I can only imagine. So, um, so how would you advise other institutions in regard to AI? Anybody listening to this and thinking, so how does AI fit? How might it fit on our institution's radar? Um, how, That's a great how question. Might they get so started? I really like the certificate program that we have that, that kind of uh, democratizes AI to any undergraduate. And we're working on grad certificates too. Um, but but if, if you're a, a small school, I think it would be really important if you don't have one to have a class that focuses on ethics, data, and technology. Um, sure, hopefully someone in your in your university or college could teach a class like that and and start to grapple with the thorny ethical and bias related problems of having such large data sets um, and, and when AI can be 
poorly applied to them, some of the bad things that can happen from that. So I think one baby step would be a course on uh, the ethics and uh, of data and, and technology. Um, I think partnering with us as we grow uh, and expand our curriculum, we want to make that curriculum available through our UF online to other universities and colleges that want to take advantage of that. Um, and so that's another potential way through a partnership with us. Uh, of course, all of the large comprehensive universities can do this on their own. They don't need anything from the University of Florida. Uh, but if we pay attention to the National Security Commission's report on AI, uh, other universities will realize how significant this, this issue is uh, in the United States. And so um, we've taken it very seriously, and I hope that others do too. And I think it's a way to, to uh, advance science, uh, but also help society as well. So what have been your greatest takeaways? Yeah, I think, so um, you know, one is the inclusive nature with which we address this um, by, by bringing it. So before we had our retreat, I did a listening tour throughout the university where I met with representatives from all over and started to tell them about AI and what was coming for the university. And it was important to hear uh, feedback from all corners of the university. And, and so that's that's an old lesson that we relearn every time we start a new project sometimes, um, that, that all voices are worth being heard in any conversation. The, the reality of that lesson in this particular case is we're producing a much better product, I think, because of that. And, and so that's just a reaffirming of a lesson that we end up learning over and over again. And, and we're sure in trouble when we forget that lesson as we start some new project. Um, I guess the other lessons are that uh, we've tried for a long time to break down any silos at the University of Florida. Faculty move fluidly all over campus for co collaborative research projects and so forth. But I think it's interesting to start thinking about breaking down silos between universities within a university system like we have in Florida and then breaking down any silos or competitiveness between us and other universities um, by providing uh, access to this machine, by providing access to our curriculum uh, and taking what we think is a good idea and, and spreading it far and wide because we'll only have the impact that's needed if we encourage a lot of others to 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 take on this mission with us. Um, so it's it's a it's an all-encompassing project for our university, but it's an exciting one and it's one that we can get behind uh, because of the, the need for it. So that's been an important lesson as well. Well, that's a good segue to my final question, which is from your vantage point, how do you think AI will change the yeah, future that's a, that's of Yeah, that's a great question education? and one that we think about a lot. Um, in terms of the research that's going on, and I see this from a research vantage point sometimes, um, AI is permeating all the different research areas of our university. So we're using AI to look at video of teachers teaching, to mine this massive amount of information captured in video recordings to see if we can gain insights about uh, teacher training and, and how teachers uh, interact with their students. So that's just one example. But, but those data would be so hard to go through manually. And the, the benefit of AI looking through large data is it finds patterns that we can't see with our own eyes. So from a research perspective, it really is permeating the entire university. Um, the College of the Arts is looking at some really interesting things about improvisation and not only how improvisation can 
be broken down into its components. Of course, you could use mathematics to understand jazz improvisation, but they think you can actually do it the reverse as well. And that is understanding improvisation can help you understand mathematics better and interesting concepts like that. So I think it's really going to push our research forward across the university. Um, but thinking about it from a from a, a standpoint of, of teaching, um, we haven't had a singular uh, technology other than computers and the personal computer in particular that has permeated uh, the entirety of our university uh, like this. And so from that perspective, the curriculum could change for a long time to come. I think collecting vast amounts of data is going to be with us for a long, long time. Doing that in an ethical way and then mining information from that that's important for our well-being uh, as humans is something that will be with us for a while. And so getting our students trained in that is critically important. Even if they don't go into an AI-enabled job, we want them to be an AI-enabled citizen and understand what's right and what's wrong about data collection and how that's used. So when you think about it from that standpoint, it's going to have a huge impact on, on um, our community, on our students, and on our future. Then there's also the ways in which AI has an impact on the work that we do inside of a university, uh, our administrators. So everything from admissions, like we talked about, to student success and, and much more. So I think the impact could be pretty large. David, this has been a, a provocative and a very rich conversation. I have learned so much and uh, we could go on and on, but we need to bring this to a close. Unfortunately, is there anything else you wish I had asked you? Our Thank you so with? much for having me. I've, I've had a, a wonderful time talking with you and, and spreading the word about what we're doing at the University of Florida. Um, but I would just encourage people to reach out to me if they have an interest in, in AI at their college or university and let's start a conversation. Terrific. We will include the, as I said before, we'll include your um, contact information in the show notes and encourage, encourage folks to do that. So again, thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you and your university for the, for leading it's the way pleasure. in this very, very important area. Melissa Morse-Olson, and you've been listening to Ingenious You. My thanks to our production assistants, Madeline Olson and Marcy Moore. Ingenious You is a production of CHELUP, the Center for Higher Ed Leadership and Innovative Practice at Baypath University. Check out our website at baypath.edu slash CHELUP for information about our professional development opportunities for higher ed professionals, including our blog and our monthly Leading Edge Thinking in Higher Ed webinar series. If you like what you hear on this podcast, be sure to review and rate it wherever you get your podcasts. And please do share Ingenious You with your friends and colleagues so that they too can join our community. In next week's episode, we speak with Dr. Mary Dana Hinton, president of Hollins University in Virginia. As an active and powerful advocate for the liberal arts and inclusion, Dr. Hinton's leadership journey reflects a deep and abiding commitment to educational equity and the education of women. In a recent TEDx talk, Dr. Hinton describes her leadership calling as based in the margins. In our conversation, this bold and wise leader tells us why she dwells by choice in marginal spaces 
and why she believes the work of inclusive leadership is a critically important priority for all higher ed leaders today. Be sure to subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts so that you do not miss out on this important episode. That's all for now. Thanks so much for listening. Stay healthy and be well.